Tau mai te mauri o te whare mau ngā rongo o rongo mātāne He a huru mau ai te piringa tangata mo ngā iwi e Taku whakaruru hau, taku whare kōrero Rarau i ho mai te mauri tipua, te mauri tawhito Te mauri o ngā tīpuna, hui e Taiki e Nau mai, haere mai And welcome to Tū Tūru Podcast With your host Harley And Keisha Kia ora koutou Today is a, uh, a very special episode um, When it's released This was uh, We're recording this two days after Anzac So it'll be released a little late But um, today is all about uh, Those who, who sacrificed their lives um, For us to live in a A peaceful and free society uh, Kia ratou mā Ngā tamatoa Ngā hoa I whakawhitia te mananui ia ki wa uh, ki uh, te mura o tahi ki kiripori uh, mo te whenua, uh, mo te iwi, uh, mo te oranga uh, to those of Anzac uh, we pay this episode to you This episode is a very emotional episode for all of us here here at Tūturu We all had family there fought in the wars We all had um, individuals that we know that have a strong connection to us that were there in Turkey, in Greece, Northern Africa, Vietnam, Korea, and more recent wars like Afghanistan. Today our servicemen and women, both past and present, therefore for us, we thank you here. Mm-hmm. So before we continue on, we would just like to note that this episode is going to be hopefully a more serious episode. There may be a couple jokes thrown around here and there, but we want to be very, very staunch on our perspective on how important Anzac Day is to us. Mm. It's not only representing our, our fellow Aotearoa New Zealand brothers and sisters that fought, but it's also representing our brothers across the ditch in Australia. Mm. So we, we want to pay the highest respects for those that fought for us. So um, before before we continue on, we just wanted to thank everyone. Now, Mr. Pitiira, tell us about uh, the family that you had that fought for the war. Yeah, so um, uh, this is this is uh, actually a topic I, I studied. I studied my own family in school for Anzac, and my <coughs> my the men in our family um, have a particular connection to the army through my korowa, um, Ronald John Kohera Pitihira. He was in the Māori Battalion, uh, the twenty eighth Māori Battalion. He joined at sixteen. Um, then going down the line, um, connecting to my grandfather's um, military services is my uncle. My uncle Tanya Pitihira and my father David Pitihira, who are both in the military. That's all I know of at the moment. There are a few stories that I will be sharing that are quite lighthearted, actually. Um, but I'll save that for later on. What about you, my bro? Uh, any any whānau who who served? We have quite a few family members um, in my family. Uh, to begin with, we will talk about Terehi Amohanga. He is my great great grandfather. He was um, he was born in the the late 1900s and fought in World War One. Mm. Um, he was a private, and then later on in World War Two, I had a, I had a two kuros. Uh, Pil Tikiri is um, he died, he died but came back home, and another one. Um, sadly, I I've forgotten the, his first name, but he is my my nan's mother. Oh, my nan's father. Sorry, his name is Mister Cash. So. Um, Shout out to all the Johnny Cash followers <laughs> out there because uh, he's he's my uh, he's my wananga. Mm. Is he actually no? Well, he is, he is. And in, in more recent wars, um, the Vietnam War, I had a I had a Karawa that fought there as well. His name was Tawiro Aitana. I, I pay utmost respects to him because two months ago he passed away. Mm. 
So um, my condolences, bro. So yeah, brother. It was um, I just want to acknowledge those their forefathers there of my uh, of my well, no. Um, there 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 may be others in more recent wars, or other wars that we haven't po- uh, pointed out, like maybe Korea and um, Afghanistan. Yeah, just now I acknowledge them all. Mm. Mm. It's always it's always I don't I don't know about you, but I I think it's always buzzy. Um, just knowing that there were people of your lineage, um, of your of your fucker papa, that obviously as Maori have um, gone through warfare quite a bit, I'd imagine for both of us. But um, just in recent times, and a hundred and a hundred and seven years might not be that recent to some, but to me, it's um, a little close for comfort. I think to have um, two two huge battles dubbed world wars and that we had whanau um that that served there some of us some of them did come back others um died in um in battle but yeah i i just think it's really opens up a perspective to how we live our lives today um versus how they've how they've um lived their lives which is really cliche and sort of things but in terms of anzac man hika it's a yeah it's a bigger it's a big picture eh do you, would you uh, like to add on that? It's yeah, it's it's quite surprising because we could say the same thing for people that lived a hundred years before us, because they would say the same thing. We're we're living within an age where there were Kroa and Kuya that fought in the New Zealand land wars, or if you were in other countries around the world, they had significant battles, say um, the Civil War in America or um, other significant wars around the world. People can say the exact same thing, but yeah, it's. I think the thing that differentiates us in this age to them is that our people left from our our humble islands to go across halfway across the world to fight for their people. Although there were some people that challenged it at the time as not being of best suit, I think um, yeah, it's quite a hard 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 topic to approach like that because. In, in short term, yes, it may not be, but in long term, it is. The impact is. Mm. My queer, just going back to your thing about um, people challenging it, my queer was one of those people, um, Emma Vera, um, uh, when my Kuroa went overseas to fight. He, I think he went on three tours, one to Crete. Um, I forget where the other two are. Um, but he, he, went to go, he went to go back and fight in Egypt. He was this close from going away. Um, and my grandmother, probably like many Māori whānau, um, said to him, "If you go, if you go again, I won't be here um, worrying about whether or not you'll come back." Um, so my grandfather stayed, and he didn't go. And I believe either it was rather prior to that or after the, that. After that, he was on the way to pursue your profession, bro, your profession in law. So um, the the impact on the world wars. Um, for our Anzac, just that kind of illustrates um, how much, how drastically changes can happen. Um, being called to service, man, it's unreal. And and also just saying how much, how many things change from small, um, small choices in our life. Mm. One thing that I I wanted to brought up whilst I was on my phone. So if you're watching this, don't, don't be a shithead. And like, <laughs> why were you on your phone? This is what I was pulling up. Um, there was a quote that I remember from. <coughs> From a f- significant member of um, of the Germans in World War Two, mm. that um, they highly re- uh, recognised both the New Zealand and the, um, 
uh, New Zealand and Australian armies. And his quote said, if I had to take hell, I would use the Australians to take it and the New Zealanders to hold it. Mm. Unreal. And that's that's coming from a person that wore an iron cross. Unreal. To, to have someone from the other side acknowledge us like that. It's going back to, the, it's, it's all, that's like the uh, respect for your enemy, eh? Mm. Like, uh, despite the adversity and I'm not I'm not in any way um glorifying warfare um just yeah um a respect for um your adversary at times um can be in a very weird way quite touching mm. um yeah like for it sends a message of at times this isn't um I'm not here by choice I'm here um because I have to be, um, I'm just taking orders. So in in respect to that, I acknowledge that you're doing the same thing, mm. and your 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 skill and prowess um, in battle too. Yeah, I think that is also portrayed perfectly in in this TV series that I saw that is on a streaming service. This um this TV show was called Gallipoli. Uh, Gallipoli. What's it called? Gallipoli. That's mm. what it's called. Across the seven or eight episodes, it uh, told the narrative of an Australian boy that went to go fight in Gallipoli, and in one point of an episode, there was like an there was like a break, there was a, a ceasefire, if you will, um, where the Turks and the New Zealanders and the Australians brought back their their men, their dead men that were lying in no man's land, and um, there was specifically a scene with an Australian man and a Turkish man. They pulled out photos of their wives saying, these are my people back home. And it, it quite touched me because these aren't men that ever thought that they would fight against one another. These aren't men that ever saw these things happening, but they knew that they wanted to stand for their country. They, they're willing to sacrifice all these things so that their children and their children's children can um, breathe fresh air and say, I'm home and I'm free. It really illustrates how hard it is to hate someone you don't know. And that perfectly um, puts into picture that these men don't know who each other are. They're mm. just told to, you know, fight. Yeah. Mm. Sometimes that's all they know. Mm. Just just fight and make sure that the people back home are safe. Because mm. that's, that's all that's in the back of their mind. I know it'll be in the back of my mind. Just make my people safe at home. Mm, mm. Um, now let's let's continue on to Anzac Day, twenty twenty two. Okay, my brother. It's um, it was recent, just two days ago. Uh, why for don't us. why don't you uh, explain what Anzac Day for us looked like today? Yeah, a- Anzac Day. Obviously, um, for us it was two days ago. Um, but yeah it was different really different not not what i was used to and it's um obviously starting at six um but it went short it went really short um and probably that's because of covid um but every every single time there's a way to a, about a dawn a dawn service that happens every anzac and i think that's why i go every year but for this particular one um there wasn't how do I put this? There wasn't the parade, there the was. parading aspect of Anzac, which I'm not going to lie, I kind of liked. 
mm. I, I kind of enjoyed more. I kind of bought in this sentimental aspect um, to remembering aspect, uh, rem- remembering Anzac rather than celebrating it. Um, yeah, I think I think a lot of people get that confused. Um, that well, for me, whenever Anzac comes up, I'm not celebrating the fact that they died. I'm remembering um, the memory of their actions for our people, and I think this this particular Anzac was perfect for that. The Dawn Service Man it was it was so much wider about it. It was unexplainable. Um, yeah, you you can explain it more than I can. I think uh, just just to save our co-host ass, there was a there was a parade, but not a big one. Yeah, but there was still a parade there. When you come from a town of three thousand people, your parade is like fifty people. <laughs> fair, fair. And that that's it. That's if you include the people who walk behind them. But um, yeah, there was a parade, uh, and it was a it was a lovely experience. And for myself, uh, I always make the effort to go to an Anzac parade. In the dawn, mm. because if I can say that I, uh, I'd rather say I wake up one morning if I, uh, at four o'clock in the morning to go to one service, than say I never got to sleep for six months because I was fighting at Gallipoli. I couldn't sleep for eight months, and rat-infested waters in my in my divot. I've forgotten, or bunker, or or, or other. Trench. Yes, a trench, yes. Kate's a Trench, Fano. Trench is the kupuho for today. Um, yeah, rat-infested trenches and getting gangrene and or frostbite or whatever. I, I'd rather say I, I got up one day a year just to acknowledge than to say that I did that for eight to 12 months and suffered the consequences. Mm. Mm. It's what a great segue, bro, because in 2018, man, we dedicated... We dedicated to making that dawn parade, um, and what a night that was, bro! What did, what did we do? What did we do? Okay, to to those uh, those out there, the the wider public, um, um, what we did on twenty eighteen Anzac is that me, my my co host here, Harley Pitihira, and another one of our peers, Eglig uh, Hikiriki, um, we made an oath that we'll do an all-nighter on Anzac Day 2018. So we stayed up all the 24th, or the night of the 24th and all the morning of the 25th to ensure that we did not miss Anzac Day that day. I believe that was the same night I dragged my mattress from across the other hall um, to stay in your room so we wouldn't make it. Either that or we stayed up playing Fortnite, which is quite ironic, actually. We, we Yes, we stayed up playing a Battle Royale. Before we go and uh, remember those that fought in the real battle royale, yeah, well, Pro- probably not the best move from from us back then, but we wanted to dedicate to remembering those. Yeah, we, we because for all of us, this is the first time outside of um, a strict uh, time frame for us, and we were just still adapting to our environment. Mm. But we all knew that this was the thing that we wanted to be there for. We wanted to be there for Anzac Day, and um. Oh, sorry. I think I also skipped out. Um, Mr. Mrs. Sizzle, Sizzle also was there. I'm glad you mentioned him because bro. Um, this is this is a perfect memory of um, Sizzle. Sizzle being being the individual he was. He uh, <sighs> our co-host is nodding because he he's clicking <laughs> to what I'm about to say. So what what Mr. Ethan Diamond said <laughs> is that on Anzac Day, Fano, Anzac Day, just just remember that. 
He said, Oh, I can't wait to have hot cross buns on Anzac Day. <laughs> <laughs> and oh, he said it with his chest too. Do you know what I can't wait for? Those hot cross buns. Mm. Mm. That's Easter. <laughs> <laughs> so, Fano, uh, next year on Easter, pull out your local Anzac biscuits and uh, celebrate a good day of Anzac Easter. <laughs> Kia ora. Uh, but no, nah, yeah. So, yeah. I just, I knew I wanted to be there and I was mm. so happy to have other individuals that were of like mind. And it also links back to us being youthful. Mm. Us being youthful and going to a parade where pretty much the medium age is like 45. And it's nice to see a lot of young people like myself and younger than us even attend. It's good to see that we're not going to be the last generation to acknowledge those that fought for us. Mm. And that that's that's an understandable worry because people people forget what happened before us. People forget the things that were sacrificed. And just to see that a lot of children, even toddlers, are attending these services gives me hope as a twenty two year old to see that we're never gonna forget and at least we forget. Mm. Those interactions that we had at Anzac too, bro, mm. unreal. We met some really cool people there. Mm. Um, one, oh, two queer, mm. two queer. I forget her, Nancy, Nancy. Oh, she was lovely, eh? Um, so we we met this queer, um, Nancy, and um, we we were sitting behind her in the service, and then when the service ended, um, she was assorting a thing of flowers, and so, um, I we offered to help her hold some stuff while she did that. And then she gave us flowers and um, said, um, would you like to place them at the cenotaph? And we said, yes, um, can we come with you? And then we joined her. And on the way there, it was only like 10 meters, 10 meters at least. It took us like 10 minutes to place these flowers just because we were having such a good corridor mm -hmm. with this queer about um, her husband, her husband that fought um, in the world war. Um, and, Oh, I forget everything else, but a lot of things. And so we, we placed it at the cenotaph and then she um, invited us to come with her to see her husband at the at the cemetery. She just wanted some company. Um, and big move, she invited us for tea at her house even. Uh, unreal. I That was not the experience I was um, expecting, mm. but it was um, well received. Even for myself, I think um, that there just shows the the camaraderie we have as a, a country for one another mm. that acknowledges those that fought for us. Because a lady that would you would never think would associate with us in a hundred million years was willing to interact with us like that and even offer her home for a kai, which, which we will consider. Um, it just shows how much of an impact that we had on one another and why we were there. Mm. It's, um, yeah, uh, to Nanny Nancy, uh, Nancy, ooh, not Nancy, but that's a nice name too. Um, we'll, we'll accept your, um, your invitation and we thank you for just that small interaction because it really did impact both of us. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Humanity, I think, was on full display in that short moment. Mm. It was lovely. Then we met this um this other queer 
Oh, you charming, you charming mate. This queer was at the front closest to the cenotaph. Um, and the um the the people were cleaning up and pulling up chairs, so we got up because we knew they were cleaning up, and this queer got up at the same time. And oh, the charm of the man. I'm sure they'll let a young lady like you stay there. And then as we were leaving, we see this queer again, and what does he do? You know what, Fano? It's uh it's the good old fashion. Support your queer across the road. Give her give her the arm. Give her the arm. And she gives you yours. Chivalry. And you just walk across the road. Mm, classic chivalry. The chivalrous change. Chivalry Let, is not dead. Let's say it one more time, brother. Chivalry. Chivalry. Kilda. Kilda. Yeah. And once again, that's just another small interaction with um with another human being that shows that one, humanity is still there. We're not loopy. We're not going crazy because we're in lockdown or whatever the hell. We're, we're still there. And two, that no matter what, we're all there for one another. Mm. Team of five million, yeah, but we're also a team of family. Oh, wow. Don't take that Labour Party. <laughs> That's on. Um, I just like to, if I, can, if I may, I don't know if you have this written down or anything, but I just want to make a quick segue to the experiences of other people who went to certain Anzac parades. Um, we had a pleasant one. Um, uh, the national anthem was sung beautifully in both languages. And just saying, I don't know if it's my ignorance from the past few years, but I'd never heard the Australian national anthem be sung at an Anzac parade before, or Anzac service before, prior to this year, I don't think. Um, so for me, yeah, that's, you can hate me all you want, <laughs> but uh, I'm saying it's a, it's beautiful. It was a, it was a beautiful moment to finally acknowledge that national anthem in saying that, I don't know if any of you have seen, um, either you at home or you two, there was this, um, Pākehā lady, uh, in her nines, I assume she was military, who sang the national anthem in Te Reo Māori. Um, yeah, and she sang it with confidence. However, she sang it completely wrong. Um, I don't know if this could be a time for you to put up a video or something like or a snippet of her, but um, mm, man, have you seen it? No, brother, I've not had the privilege of looking at it yet. Steen, have you seen it? No, I haven't, but I'm gonna go look at it right now if I can. Oh there my go. goodness, I. I assume I'm assuming based off of how she was pronouncing Te Reo Māori, it was in Australia. I'm I'm gonna assume that they sing the New Zealand anthem as well. Um, but yeah, man, if if it was in Australia, I can understand that. Um, but if it was in New Zealand, what the hell? <laughs> you could you could go to any military institution, look for any single Māori person. Oh, he knows the national anthem. He knows the national anthem. Oh, this one can sing even. But they they chose this Pākehā lady who, with respect, got up there with confidence and sang her heart out. But, man, butchered those, butchered those real words, which I'm hoping you'll hear. Um, yeah. Um, but in contrast to that, to bring the wairua up, there was this girl in Te Arawa. I think she was a 14-year-old college student who... Um, sang the na- the Australian national anthem not only in English but in also one of the Aboriginal dialects mm. first and give me a few seconds just to um, pull up the dialect that she sang in 
her name is um, Nico Grace, uh, age 14, um, sang the Australian anthem, um, which doesn't usually start with an indigenous language, but she decided to do it in, I hope I'm saying this right, um, Gadigal, um, one of the Aboriginal um, languages in Australia. Um, oh, it's beautiful. She, she then um continued to sing it in English. Oh, gee, gee, they actually, I got a couple of tears in my eyes. Not even lying. Crazy, bro. right? Fuck, bro. But like, that's so stunning because when you think about it, it wasn't just it wasn't just uh, European uh, off-lights that uh, came to uh, New Zealand and Australia. Therefore, it was our indigenous brothers and sisters as well. It was everyone. Everyone joined in. And just to hear that being sung like that, bro. Beautiful. Not only did it give me a couple, uh, a couple of the bumpy arm syndrome, but uh, it just it just made me proud. It made me proud to hear that. Yeah. Oh man, it, beautiful. I, I I imagine. Oh, and also I believe she got permission from the um Godagol um elders as well to mm. do it. Um. So yeah, amazing. So um, ju- just a quick thing, bro. If anyone's wanting to listen to it, where's that? Uh, where's the link gonna be? Um, I'll. It'll be in the description. Here it is. Yeah, it'll be. In the, it'll be in the description. Um, or you'll pr- probably see it on video anyway. You know what? Stan caught the alley oop and he dunked it in. And what did you do? You stared at the ball. <laughs> I stared at the ball. <laughs> my bad. My bad. But yeah, beautiful. What a beautiful moment. Um, not not only for Anzacs, but just to hear the Aboriginal language. Um. Sung as there were no doubt Aboriginal um, people who also fought in Anzac. Beautiful, beautiful. I think this is probably a good uh, idea to move on, my bro. Yeah, it is. It is because I I've actually been pondering a question as a light, mm. and um, I think I've I've given you a little sneak peek on it. With us talking about all these individuals here that sacrificed their lives, their their humanity to take on these heavy loads of mental and physical pain. It made me think about whether us as a generation today could handle that. So my, my partay for you, brother, would be if there was ever a situation where we were to be called upon and we had the choice to, would you go to war? If we were to be drafted and uh, we had no, a choice. Let, let's say let's say you you had a choice to go. I'm not saying if you were drafted because that means compulsory and then no matter what you say, you're going. But if you had the decision to go up, would you? Okay, you asked me this prior and I had, I was under the assumption that I wasn't allowed a choice. If now my answer has changed. So my answer was yes, I would go to war um, if I had to. Only if I had to. Um, but now I have the choice. No, I wouldn't. No, I wouldn't. Not out of cowardice but more of the fact that i don't believe as a people that have the ability to resolve things in a peaceful manner um i don't think war should be um 
a choice you have to make. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I, I wouldn't. I would, I would abstain from war efforts. Um, also for the fact that I don't like being told what to do. So there's that as well. I don't want to be told to kill another man just because I have to. Um, yeah, and like I said earlier, uh, it's hard to hate a man that I don't know. Mm. Yeah. What about you? Would you go? Uh, see for myself, this question is uh, is in, is actually quite contrasted to you, brother. Mm-hmm. I think. I think, I would be willing to go. Mm-hmm. Because, it is upon my thoughts of making sure that my people back home are safe. It's not no warrior mentality or. Me wanting to be a bigger man. It's just me wanting to make sure my home's standing when I come back. Mm. That's all. Then to let, let me hit you with a question then. Are you uh, more productive in confirming your people's safety either 10 feet away or a hundred uh, or a thousand miles away? Where are you going to be more productive? Okay, um, we're going to put it in a metric Put mm. a metric. We're gonna take okay. it out of um, thousand kilometers away. There we go. There we go. There we go. Where? Where? Do Do you think you'll be more productive? <clears throat> um. See for myself. Oh, sorry. For myself, I think. Um. I think I'll be more productive where they think I they need me. Mm. Um, are you they as in your people? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Uh, we're going to um take a step back. Before I, uh, with my my answer to the question, I think I'll 100% be scared. Mm. I'll 100% be shitting my pants. Because I won't be like um, our Komatsuwa back in the day. Ooh, a free trip to Europe? <laughs> mm, I want to see the Eiffel Tower. Ooh, <laughs> far out. I see those blue Mediterranean seas looking beautiful. <laughs> yeah, and then what they see, they saw dirt and rats. Mm. Uh, I've, um, um, I'm not as uh not not to say naive, but uh I'm I'm more aware of the the burdens of war mm. that it can f- inflict upon a person. But uh I I think I would be willing to go and um where I would be more productive is wherever they think they need me. If it's in parliament, there I am. Mm. If it's on the front, there I am. Mm. If it's loading, if it's been a medic, if it's been telecom, or if it's been loading up the trenches and getting ready to run it, there I am. Mm. I'm not to say that I'm, I'm not grateful for the life that I have, but I'll be more grateful to know that uh, my grandchildren will be here. That's honourable, bro. And um, and also, I want a scholarship for my kids, eh? <laughs> ah, I see you, I see. Honourable, bro, honourable. For your people. I know many young kids these days who are so addicted to Fortnite and COD want to go for the glory of war. Mm. Um, but many, many veterans and current soldiers have um, dissuaded that, saying there's nothing to glorify. It's nothing like um, uh, what you play on a game. Mm. So very honourable. Yeah, you're very true with um, with veterans going there saying not glorifying war because that's another thing that I've considered. Like shell shock. The... the 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 visual image of shell shock is so horrifying to me, but to see that people had to suffer that to make sure that I can go down the road and get a dollar bread, mm. yeah, it's unreal. Like um, yeah, that that's that's really the reason why I would go just to make sure my people see, uh, people here are safe, make sure that they can see the sand, make sure the skies are blue, 
and to make sure that we can swim in our waters and eat our kai and say, I'm happy here, mum. That's all. Mm. Well, brother, um, now now we've done a lot of reflecting and a lot of forward thinking. Mm. Why don't we talk about the now? The now? Yeah, well, talk, you know about the now. The now situation, like how the world is at this current stage in time with... um, Oh, the now, right, I got you. Um, yeah, you're right. We we should um, acknowledge. So, um, I'd like to just take this time briefly to acknowledge the strives that are happening around the world. Um, um in particular, um, the struggle between Russia and Ukraine. Um, very we we often we often forget that um, there are there are two sides to every coin, and I'm not saying that. Um, Oh, and what what I'm saying is that um, both both Russia and Ukraine deserve um, recognition purely because it's not by their choice um, to be engaging with each other in this manner. Um, it's their leaders that are doing so. So to Ukraine and uh, to the Ukraine and the Russians, um, love and peace to you all, um, and may God um, keep you safe and keep your heart filled with conviction um, throughout these these times. Um, yeah, but also, even though that's the thing that's plastered across uh, news outlets these days, they, those aren't the only wars that are being fought today. But mm. think about like Azerbaijan and uh, mm. Armenia mm. over the conflict of land there, or other wars across the world. There's there's quite a lot of a lot of fighting, and once again, it goes back to what you said: the leaders fighting. Mm. It's not the people. Mm. The people are persuaded by the leaders. Mm. The leaders are the ones that make you think that that's the thing and whether or not you agree or disagree with the leader's decision it's um it really does have an impact on how the country perceives things um the engagement between palestine and um i forget the other israel. one israel and israel yeah um another another very sad um situation but again um love and peace to to both sides it's not the people it's the it's the the ones pulling the strings. Mm, take up, brother. Mm. Well, um, I actually have a, I actually have another part time for you, my bro. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's it's upon how we as a society look at those that come back. Do you, I I think, in my perspective, a, a naive and and not fulfilled perspective on um how our vets are treated when they come home. Do you think we as a country treat our vets appropriately? And if not, or if they do, explain why. No. And if not, explain what do you think we should do as a country? No, I don't think they do. I think uh, in in my experience with our, with our people coming back, we, we set them up for medals, celebration, and majority of the time, nothing else. Um, unless... They are they they reach out. Um, there's nothing even prior to them coming back. Actually, that it might be a little bit better now. It might be a little bit better now. I don't know. I haven't researched into this pretty much. But the other than the physical effects that war has, battle has the the mental effects that it has. So much more resources could be spent on during and post battle on their mental stability. Um, I know a few people who have come home with PTSD um, and were 
tossed to the side because the there were certain avenues in the system that just wouldn't just weren't adequate enough for them to return home and you know kind of revive their 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 mental health a bit that that's just my opinion though and again times might have changed i haven't really seen um any of the research at the moment but yeah that's no i don't think i don't think we do enough and for their families as well i don't think there's enough reimbursement i don't know if that's the right word um but the resources sent to their families um to welcome them back in a way because you can't fight forever and then just come home and think that everything's going to go back to the way it was prior um yeah so no i don't that was a really long-winded answer but whatever you no it's a it's a it's a very agreeable answer well from my perspective as well because um i think the same the same issues that uh affect society as a whole also affect the vets to come back so like yeah adequate services being provided um yeah, they they do sacrifice a lot for us, and I think we need to provide um beyond adequate services to them, like um making sure making sure that they get subsidies on say power, or or rent or or necessary services like like awareness of fitness or kai, just um making sure that their their needs are satisfied. That's that's the thing to be satisfied. Having just above the bare minimum mm. is not enough. Mm. I think maybe a bit more. But mm. I think that's with everything as well. That's why it's a society issue. Mm. Making sure that they have above the the bare minimum and then beyond. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I, I just, I don't want to glorify them as well. It's finding the fine the fine line between the two of throwing them parades every, every other week yeah. for, for their services, but also... Um, not throwing them to the side. Yeah, I think the patriotic way of celebrating our soldiers, the one thing I'd actually like to see, this, this you might not agree with this, and frankly, I don't care, um, but an apology rather than a celebration. Mm. I would lo- I think I would like to see, or not, or not so much an apology, but like an acknowledgement that, or for for anyone who's drafted, or for veterans anyway, like we acknowledge like what you did, and we we hope that you like never have to go through that again. Mm. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's perfect because this is a segue to another question that I have. Beautiful. Well, we're, we're thinking about a lot of the future once again of how we can change and make a positive impact upon our leaders, but we need to make that change from now. Mm. We need to do it now, mm. and that involves the young people and the youth of today. Mm. So my question is, what is your perspective as a young man? Ooh. Mm, a young man. <laughs> Say it again. <laughs> a young man. Thank you. Kilda. What is your perspective on how our young people see Anzac today? I don't know, man. Uh, that's, that's a really out of it question, actually. Um, I don't, Interact with enough young people to to really answer this objectively. Um, so I'm I'm gonna lay down the the manuka here and say that they go there purely for ceremonial reason. I don't think many youth, and I could be wrong. I don't think many youth these days actually know the strife of Anzac, and I think that just comes with the times of youth being interested in more, I don't know, attracting things. 
not saying every youth is like that because I know some young people younger than me who know much more than Anzac than I do, but I think the majority um, don't acknowledge Anzac enough for what it is mm. unless they've had direct contact or like have direct relations to people who fought in the war or something like that. But yeah, you, what do you think? As a young man yourself, what do you think? Before I answer this question, your ability just to toss my own questions back at me is uh, beautiful. I, I, it's almost like we're in a podcast, bro, and like we have the ability to ask each other the same question. It's almost like you didn't prepare for this <laughs> and you are bouncing back my own questions to answer that I also didn't prepare for. What a coincidence. Well, what a lifestyle. Mm. Mm. What, do you, what do you think about the question you just asked me? Because I can't remember what you asked me. Okay, okay, we're gonna we will repeat my question once more. As young men, how do we see our generation perceiving Anzac today? Well, how do you? Um, if I be honest, I think it's not only our generation but the one above us. Mm. It's the Anzac is just simply a day off, mm. and that's all it is to them. The freezing works, people don't get to go to work. They get a day off to drink. People at coffee shops, they could just have a rest. No being a barista today. Just, that's all. Mm. It's not a day of actually acknowledging it for some people. It's just a rest. But I can't blame them for it, though. Some people have really worked to the bone and they need a rest. But, yeah, that... Anzac Day should be a day that is appropriately re- recognised from our all of our country, mm. and yes, a, a day off is a is a good way to have it because we everyone needs to to stop and acknowledge it. But um, I think our generation just needs a bit more information. Mm. I I will say in my in my perspective, I was um. Privileged to have been uh, very good primary school teachers that provided that information, mm. as they all had connections to family members that did fight in the wars, mm-hmm. and even in one chance we'll go, uh, we were able to go to Waiuru and um, have a tour as six, seven year olds around um, the uh, around the memorial, oh, the museum. Yeah, sorry. yeah, yeah. And so I, I will say I may have gotten more information than most of um, what happened in the younger years. So I was able to have a a much stronger connection to it, but I think um, when you look at uh, when you look at the parades, you don't see too many people like us. Not like us as in brown, but like us as in young. <laughs> I I I knew what you meant, but thank you for that extra bit of insight, bro. Just, just well need done. to clarify, you brother, you're, you're giving me the what, what are you going to say, eyes? <laughs> and um, that's well, actually a good interpretation <laughs> of what I was looking like. That's on. Your answer wasn't so on, but <laughs> that's on. So uh, yeah, I, I think um, I think uh, other than the good laugh, then that uh, we just need a bit more insight for mm. our people. But yeah. we can keep saying, "Oh, we need to provide more this and this and this." But there's only a certain level that we can get up to when it's too much mm. for everything. Mm. Like we can't keep throwing. Shit at a wall and expect everything to stick. Mm. Some things are going to fall off, and sadly, this may be one of those things for our generation. But I think the thing is from that that we try to make it stick. We try to say this is a very important thing to go to, mm. not make it oh 
it's mandatory that everyone in this town or city has to go. If but not, that's a hundred dollar fine. I don't think that's the way. I just think if we can build within the an individual that this is really important for us, we need to acknowledge it, then it can naturally develop into appropriate recognition mm. and not forced. Let them develop some value for mm. it. Yeah. Yeah. And um because that's kind of what happened with me. Well, yeah, when I was younger, my, my nan forced me to wake up whilst I was like still at preschool and and early primary. Mm. And the coolest thing that I always thought was being in an agricultural town, we were in, we had the opportunity for someone to shoot off a cannon. Mm. And I was like, who? When they're going to shoot off the cannon? I can't wait. I can't wait. And then the follow they always shot it off was like, always said that, where's timing? Like, <laughs> like the man would say, now we're going to fire the ceremonial cannon. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> Well, and it, like every time, no matter how many times <laughs> you go to it, you always get a fright. <laughs> but yeah, well, um, when I got to about the nine, nine, ten year old stage, yeah, that, that's usually the stage where you start questioning, and you're like, why? Mm. Why are we going to this? And then Nan said, because you're caught for, and that's it. That's all she said every time, because you're caught for. And from then, I just said, okay, well. I love my koro, and he fought for this. I'm going to it. And since then, it's been the same thing. Same mm-hmm. answer. Yeah, so um, that's that's how, in my experience, Anzac Day is to me. Mm. And maybe that is a, a one-off experience for myself and not for a lot of other people. But let's hope that we can start breeding that opportunity to happen so that they can have that relationship with Anzac Day. Mm. Mm-hmm. So did you ever develop a relationship like that with Anzac Day? I did, I did. Right from the get-go, I think. The earliest Anzac that I can remember uh, was college, actually. Um, and it was one that I, uh, myself, my cousin Shania Pitihira, um, and a couple of others, we sang it. We sang Whakari Mai in the National Anthem. Um, and I was re- reminded of that on Anzac Day. There's a video on Facebook about it. And it just, uh, I knew why I was there. It was to sing. Um, but then my family came up to me and asked, um, said to me, your would be proud. And I was like, why? And I was like, cause he fought in Anzac, he fought with the Anzacs. And it really put into perspective for me right then and there every year um, that this is the one day of the year that I should especially um, remember those who fought, yes, but my Koro for his services. He didn't die in Anzac. He came home, fortunately, otherwise I wouldn't be born. Um, but yeah, that's the one day that I should really accentuate remembering what he did. Mm, and well, this is a perfect segue, brother, <laughs> because um, from my understanding, your family has a uh, quite interesting story <laughs> from the war. Yes, yes, indeed. Um, my my Korowa, uh, being the mischief he is, um, <laughs> he 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 was quite a quite a decorated man at one point. He was a sergeant, I believe, in, um, in the Māori Battalion. Um, Company C, actually. So he joined the Māori Battalion at 16, and he wanted to join uh, Company A, I believe. It was either Company A or Company B, um, whichever one um, was for the Lower North. He got denied because he was too young. They weren't accepting anybody under 18 for that particular company. So instead, he went up to Gisborne and joined Company C, um, and uh, they accepted him. They accepted him. He forged his papers, said he was 18, and they accepted him, and he was only 16. 
Um, I've got a photo of him somewhere that I'll probably flick to you um, of him um, pulling the pukana with his other soldier mates. Um, oh, young mischief fella. Anyway, um, he um, made it all the way up to sergeant. Um, and then one fateful night, um, my dad tells me that he got a bit drunk and ended up stealing one of the higher-ups' jeep <laughs> and drunk drove um, <laughs> on site. <laughs> and um, needless to say that he was indeed demoted um, all the way back down to Lance Corporal. So, uh, yeah, I, I believe it goes um, private and then one a private one stage up and then Lance Corporal. I think that's how it goes. So, yeah, uh, my quarter was a bit of a... A ruffian, as they would say back in the day. Just to give you a perspective as how ruffian he was, um, later on in life, um, there's a photo of him where he's got this massive-ass bald spot and he looks like Heihachi of Tekken. <laughs> <laughs> and... <laughs> and... Um, <laughs> and... And that's because... They, him, him and his mates tried to give him a haircut, right, with a machete. It was either a machete or a scalpel or something like that. And, or it was, I'll duck it. And so they swang at it, swang at my Cordell's head or cut my Cordell's head. And um, instead of cutting just the hair, they ended up scalping him um, a little bit. So now um, my, so then my Cordell looks looked like the uh, real life Māori Heihachi. Hey hearty, if you will. Oh, hey hearty, pity hero. <laughs> hey hearty, pity hero. Ronald John, um, yes, um, his his name is Ronald John Corhead of Pity Hero. Once a sergeant, then Lance Corporal. Um, very very proud of the lineage that I come from. Despite those two things, I th- quite quite humorous. Shout out, shout out, hey hearty. <laughs> bouncing off of that, um, there's a fo- there's a photo of my uncle and my dad in the army. They they joined obviously later on in life, and I have a photo of my father. And who's quite a tall man For some reason they had this competition To do with best legs in the army And my dad took it out My dad took out best legs in the army And I think my Uncle Tan did too um, So you know If, you, <laughs> if you've got them legs <laughs> Go join the army Well brother um, <laughs> From my personal perspective I, th- I see that uh, you didn't take up those jeans Oh oh no no I, I could barely fit into those jeans brother They just sagged over my ankles so. well, uh, Quick question for the viewers out there Did he have the calves The mana calves or <laughs> You know when you go to A chicken shop and um, You get like the smallest Leg there That's my dad's legs back then but he was tall, and they were they were they were toned. Now they're just tall, <laughs> and that's it. Which is what I'm currently going through right now. But I don't have, I don't have the meat on the bones, as they say. Well, yeah, yeah, you, on, on those bones anyway. You, anyway, <laughs> you can cut that. Um, you just have the leftover chicken wing meat. That's it, brother. Oh, well, uh, well, my brother. You know what? Those stories are <laughs> lovely, and uh, I think, um, I think. Uh, our audio manager in the back there, Steen. Got a bit of a surprise for you guys here. Oh, right. yes. What, what, I've what actually gone ahead and bought some uh, pineapple lumps for a quick intermission, you know? Oh, oh I love it. Beautiful. I love it. What are we... Uh, yep. we got a uh, pack one there, but we also got a bit of a special here. We've got a uh, Pascal... Uh, what the Fijawa fuck? Lumps. Fijawa lumps. 
Can I can I can I have those? Show it to the mic, mate. Oh, show it to the mic. Show it to the cam, brother. Show. Let's um. Show show. Yeah, you fucking ripper. Show no, it to the cam. <laughs> <laughs> I told you, no free advertising here. No, there you go. There you go. Yeah, well, well, pineapple arms. Pineapple arms is a different thing. Um, yeah, let's have a let's have a good pineapple then, brother. Cheers. Cheers for antique day. <laughs> Uh, very pineapple-y. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck? It's the fajal. <laughs> oh, now we can't get no advertising from them anymore. <laughs> fuck. Mm. Fuck. You better keep that. Yeah, they were all right. <laughs> <laughs> they were all good. Got a, got yeah, a no, no, the camera didn't catch anything. Oh, no. Don't, don't oh, talk about it. Well, no, they were, they, were, they were mean. I highly rate those. Uh, what would you rate it out of 10? Oh, you just can't, bro. <laughs> I don't think you can rate it. Um, I like Fijawas. Mm. I like pineapple lumps. Mm. I like, I'll, I'll even go as far to say I like pineapple, bro. Mm. But there are some combinations that just don't work. And just to name a few, bro. Fucking Fijawas and chocolate. Oh. You know, uh, just what's another one? Here we go. Um, Johnny Depp and Amber Heard. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Fiji was pineapple and chocolate. Um, Pascal, do better. Um, do I better. Th- do I think I like to disclaim. Um, I've never had one. So just <laughs> you <based> on your- <laughs> Can you turn the camera on me? Turn the camera on me. Zoom in on me, Pascal. Do better, do better. Yeah, you hit with the chocolate and pineapple, but you know every now and then you do miss. So um, do better. So um, from me, Pascal, these uh, thoughts are not shared by both members or from Two Tutu. It's just shared from uh, Mr. Patino. Yeah, so personal. This is a personal opinion of mine. I love your work, but sometimes it's mid. Uh, and do you know what else is mid? This is a little sneak peek into a future episode of a, of a combination that is weird for one individual is sponge cake and icing. <laughs> if uh, that's a sneak peek into a future episode, so um, stay tuned for that one. Uh, well, you know what? It's actually a perfect lead on, brother. Talking about Kai. Uh-huh. Um, let's talk about a place that we ate on Anzac Day. Oh, uh, it was a very interesting cafe. I'll, I would like you to uh, break it down to the viewers out there. I'm going to give it to you in one sentence. <clears throat> if you've got the money, all right, you can make the honey, brother. But just let me tell you, all right, if you want to spend $32 on eggs on toast, go hard. Go hard. What's all I'm gonna say? Okay, um, a few notes, a few notes from myself. Um, Nine dollars for an iced coffee. Twenty-five dollars for sausages that don't taste like a sausage. <laughs> Eggs that come hard. <laughs> and bacon that is not fucking bacon anymore. <laughs> Bacon that's not served on top of the toast 
but fucking underneath it. Vano, if you are going to boycott anything or cancel anything, let it not be this podcast. Let it be bacon served underneath toast. Where did you find this? I don't want to give them away because they were actually lovely people. Yeah, we're not going to shout them out until we give it. Uh, until I'll we just, get I'll them again, you know. Oh, yeah. No, no, we we won't even name them. Nah, we, we acknowledge <laughs> them. We acknowledge them from a distance. I tell you what, if I wanted to pay bank for bacon underneath the toast of eggs, mate, I'd just, I'd, I'd make it at home. <clears throat> I'd make it at home and call it a fuck up. But you know what, brother? For myself, it's um, it will be an Anzac Day special because. I'm going to be supporting my local for one day a year. You know, that's fair. That's fair. We will go back to that because they were lovely people. It was a lovely scene. Yeah, and like, although the Kai was um, of interest that day, um, I, I really liked the atmosphere. And it, it kind of brewed that um, relationship between multiple nationalities and opinions and perspectives, eh? Mm. Because it wasn't just a bunch of, uh, a bunch of individuals. That um of one perspective, it was everyone like a mounting pot. Hey, there was um a lot of kids there, a lot of komats were there, a lot of uh, choir singers. I'd say it's more like a salad bowl, bro. Because mm. a melting pot, here's one thing for you for it. Because a melting pot, you're insinuating that everything is coming in to be created into one same thing, but a fruit bowl is celebrating the differences, the different aspects that come in into this explosion of flavour because of their individual aspects, bro. Mm. That was a that was a bit of a spiel on the customers in the cafe that you didn't need to heard, but I don't care. Mm. Didn't need to heard, well. Didn't need to heard. Just like Amber, killed we're, we're gonna We're going to play with that one. Didn't need to heard. Yeah. <laughs> um. But one thing I will say is that their panini, brother, I heard, I heard their panini last year. Ooh, wowie. Mm. Pull out Rowley from uh, Diary of the Wimpy Kid because we need him to say wowie because, man, it was mean. So uh, we, we'll just take that as the one-off occasion, eh, when it was pretty busy. I think Anzac is the, is the one time where you actually have time at this particular place to save up to go to it next year. Yes, yes. That, yeah. That's actually a perfect description of it. Mm. By saving up all this money across a year just to buy $25 worth of eggs, which are two eggs that are hard as fuck. <laughs> Shout out to the hard as fuck eggs. Anyway. Well, brother, um, I think I think I have everything discussed here mm. other than just some notable places like Gallipoli, mm. Northern Africa, mm. Crete. And while we, we had family that fought in those areas, uh, did your family fund those areas? My quarter fought in Crete, um, mm. I believe. I don't have many stories about his war days. Um, he did fight somewhere, and I have a note. I have a notice from him, or a written, a written diary of him, about either it was an Italian comrade or an Italian adversary, right? And coldest, coldest shit I've ever heard. Coldest shit I've ever read. My quarter wrote in. Um, I'll paraphrase. Um, so. <clears throat> So it was either Italian betrayed or we captured an Italian and um, we killed his mates, right? Um, if it was, I think it's betrayed. And so his, his mate, we killed his mates, but we didn't kill him. Instead, we gave him the shovel and we made him um, dig their graves as well as his own. Coldest shit I've ever heard. Mm. Uh, yeah, yeah. So I gave Itai shovel. Um, made him dig their graves and his own. Ooh, bruh. That was, oh, yeah. 
that's the that's the only war story I have at the moment. And again, I'm paraphrasing, but yeah, I thought that was some savagery, some absolute savage from mm. my quarter. Mm. Any stories from you, bro? Because you know I'm the boomerang man, <laughs> bringing back the questions. Um, for myself, I I never had the opportunity to engage with um any of them on their narratives mm. because um like a lot of Komatsu in those days, they just wanted to put it behind them. They didn't want to think about it again. Mm. They saw too many of their brothers and sisters die. Mm. They saw too much blood. They just wanted to leave it. Mm. And it is a respectable um, perspective on it because I understand you don't really want to think about the negative stuff all the time. So, um, yeah, I never had the opportunity to hear those stories from any of my Koroa, even the one that recently passed away. But... um. I know some some closer may have had the opportunity to hear those stories, but then the um the one that passed away recently was about Vietnam, so he'll be talking about um the Viet Cong and all that. Mm. You know what, brother? I think that um we're coming to the conclusion of our episode. Mm. Um, so as an honourable thing to do to recognise the the corridor that we've done today, we're planning on closing off our episode with <coughs> the ode. And um, an interesting thing that I found out about the ode is that um, it was it's a dissect from a poem written by an Englishman. It's, I think it's the third and fourth stanza. But um, yeah, it's it's quite interesting how how this um, how this poem that he writes that was published in 1914 came all the way to us and resonated with us so strongly that we still use it to today. Mm. So for the conclusion of this episode, we're going to close off. Of the Anzac Ode. We're going to pass it over to Mr. Petita. He'll do it in Te Reo Māori and then I'll do it in English and then we'll close off this episode. Mm. Thank you all for listening. E kore rātou, e koro heketia. Penei yamato kwa mahue nei. E kore hoki rātou, e ngoi kore. Aha kwa pehea ngā huatanga o te wā. Ki te hekenga atu o te rā. Tainoa ki te aranga mai tāta. Ka mau mahara tonu tātou ki a rātou. They shall not grow old, as we that are left grow old. Age shall not weary them, nor the years condemn. At the going down of the sun, and in the morning, we will remember them. We, we will, will remember, remember them. them. Least we forget. Least we forget. So thank you to those that are... Came in, tuned in for this episode, for the Antic Special. We thank you here at Tuturu. Kia ora. Kia ora.